Riley, it's good to be with you. Pumped to be hanging wherever you are across the state. If we haven't met yet, my name is Josh, and my goal tonight is just to share really quickly to springboard us into discussion. So I'm going to start tonight uh, by reading a quote to you. In, in February of 2021, Harvard released the Loneliness in America report, uh, and here's just a, a little extract from the report. It says this, in our recent national survey of American adults, 36% of respondents reported serious loneliness, feeling lonely frequently or all the time uh, in four weeks prior to the survey. This included 61% of people age 18 to 25, so young adults. 43% of young adults reported increased loneliness since the outbreak of the pandemic. And about half of lonely young adults in our survey reported that no one in the past few weeks had taken more than just a few minutes to ask how they were doing uh, and, and made them feel in a way genuinely cared for. Young adults suffer higher rates of both loneliness, anxiety, and depression. According to the recent CDC survey, 63% of uh, people in this age group suffer significant symptoms of anxiety or depression. Now, that's a pretty heavy way to start a message, but I, I wanted to read this to you because this is the world that we find ourselves in. This was last year, this report came out, and I'm sure if we were to redo a report, uh, it would still be pretty heavy days because I don't know about you, if you felt lonely in this past season or if you felt uh, alone, but I, I wanted to get around this thought uh, in this message of, of really coming around, how do we as a community thrive in the world that we're in? This whole month, we've been looking at the book of Daniel, uh, and if you haven't had the time, I'd encourage you to go read it uh, and we're just looking at some of the stories of the book of Daniel and what I want to do is uh, look at the book of Daniel chapter 3 and if you've got your Bibles you can turn there with me Daniel chapter 3 uh, and to, to refresh your memory if you've been around church for a while you've probably heard this story uh, if you're new to church or if you're new to the family I hope you feel so welcome we're stoked that you're here but I'm going to give a little bit of the context of this story and then what I want to do is just come around some encouragement for us as a community of how we can thrive in the world that we're in. Daniel chapter 3 is about uh, a few, few mates who are uh, exiles in the land of Babylon. They were Jewish and had been taken in captivity from young age uh, and they were in Babylon and they found themselves and their friend Daniel uh, had uh, interpreted the dreams of the king of the land, Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel had said, and he, they, they put Daniel in a position of influence. And Daniel said, hey, if I'm going to be in a position of influence, I'm bringing my boys with me. So the classic names, if you've been around church for a while, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were these three guys who they themselves found themselves in a position of influence. But one day, Nebuchadnezzar makes a, a great statue and an idol that people would bow down to uh, in reverence for this idol. Uh, but these men would not bow. And this is the story that they would not bow because they were followers of God, that they were not followers of Nebuchadnezzar and the ways of this land. But they, one day when the trumpet sounds and all the people of Babylon bow, they stand. Shoulder to shoulder, and I could imagine how they felt in that moment. I want you to picture in your mind this land, here's this trumpet sound. Like imagine when a tornado sound goes off in the land, you can hear it ringing. Everyone bows, but they don't bow. Uh, people tell Nebuchadnezzar of these men who don't bow and they bring him, them before Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is furious because he's saying, man, if you don't bow, you're going to be thrown in this fiery furnace. 
But I want to read the exchange of these men to Nebuchadnezzar. It's found in Daniel 3, chapter 17. It says this, If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So these guys are saying, hey, we will not bow to you because we believe and trust in God who's going to deliver us through this. And even if you throw us in there, you're going to take, God's going to take care of us because we follow after Him. This is the quick story that I want to look at in, the, in this moment because what ultimately happens is they throw these men into the fiery furnace. And while they're in this fiery furnace, not a hair on their body is singed. But two, some soldiers, they die because of the heat of this fiery furnace. But they themselves are thrown into this fiery furnace, the three men. And Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he says, he's getting a bit old. And he looks in, he's like, there's four people in there. And we read about that God was with them in this fiery furnace. This is a beautiful picture of God with humanity in the fire of life. And what I want to tell of is in this story, uh, what we read about as they come out and Nebuchadnezzar references and says, man, your, your God is king. And this is the story of three friends who withstand the pressures of the culture that they're in and follow after God, even facing much resistance and ultimately the potential of death. But a miracle takes place and God protects them in the fire. Now, hear this like this is not just some nice story. This is a, a real life story. Could you imagine how these brothers felt in this moment that they're feeling all this resistance culturally, but they stay true to following after God, even in a world that doesn't want them to. They're shoulder to shoulder, brothers through this circumstance together. They were in a circumstance in life that cards had been dealt them for life that they didn't want. Like, it's not ideal. They're not thinking, man, this is great. We're in Babylon, man. My whole life, I wanted to be in this, living in a land that I don't want to be in, in captivity, in this culture that's not my home culture. And, but they responded in a God-honoring way, in a culture that was of much resistance. This is similar uh, to the world that we find ourselves in. We're using the book, Faith for Exiles at the moment, which talks about uh, living as exiles in a digital Babylon world. Essentially, Babylon is this idea of the kingdom of man versus a kingdom of God. And we've got to find out, ask ourselves often, are we living in the, way, in the kingdom ways of man or are we living in the kingdom of God in the way in which God has created us to live? And I want to put before us one simple practice that's proposed by the team with Faith for Exiles that I think can encourage us uh, in the world in which we find ourselves in. It's this one big thought. When isolation and mistrust are the norms, forge meaningful and in intentional relationships. I'll say that again. When isolation and mistrust are the norms, forge meaningful and intergenerational relationships. 
So what I want to do over these next few moments, using the story of Daniel and this practice proposed in this book, Faith for Exiles, I want to look at what does it mean uh, when we find ourselves in isolation and in a world of mistrust, how do we form meaningful and intergenerational relationships? Uh, this report that I referenced earlier came to this conclusive uh, quote in, in this report that I loved. It said this, We need to return to an idea that was central to our founding and at its heart of many great uh, religious traditions. We must commit to ourselves, but we also have to be vital. It, it is vital to commit to others, including those who are vulnerable. In this global pandemic that we've lived through over the past couple years, there, there has been isolation, there has been so much question, worry, concern, but through that, there's also been this pandemic, you could say, of loneliness that we find ourselves in. People in isolation and mistrust of, can I trust you, of, man, you have this belief, you align with this party, I don't know if I can trust you. And I want to take a moment to look at this idea of isolation and mistrust. Because I believe in this epidemic of loneliness that we find ourselves in the world, we have an opportunity as the church to thrive. We have an opportunity to step into this moment that the world finds ourselves in and thrive as a community of believers. That's why at Rally we care so much about pursuing people. We don't want to just be a nice crowd that people come to, but that's why we do nights like tonight. We want to get people shoulder to shoulder, exchanging phone numbers and building relationships and connectivity that's saying, hey, we want to step into and you don't, we want people to be seen, known and love. And I just want to ask you, how are you doing in that? Do you feel yourself lonely and isolated? Because I've learned in life it's easy to feel alone in a crowded room. Have you ever had that moment you're at a party and there's a lot of people around you, but you just feel alone? You've got thoughts running through your mind and you still feel like, man, I might be seen physically by people, but I just feel alone. My heart and my prayer and the team's prayer across the state at Rally is that, man, you might come into a crowded space, but would you be seen and known? And I want to encourage us as a community to step into that. Who's the person maybe in a room that you walk into, whether it's at your colleague at work who just seems kind of off and alone? Just like the quote referenced earlier, when's the last time you asked someone, how are you doing? When's the last time that you actually cared to know someone's story? Would we be a community that cares deeply for the people around us? And if you yourself are feeling alone and struggling to trust the people around you, I'd encourage you to let your roots go down deep in a, in a community of faith in the city wherever you are. I encourage you to be a part of church, get involved serving, be on a team, get in a rally group, whatever it might look like, take a further step in. We live in a world where this has this great digital strain on it. What I mean by this is it's so easy to connect on our phones of looking online and, and going scrolling through Instagram. I know for me, like I can just find myself scrolling on Instagram, doing a deep dive, kind of stalking some people or that's kind of sounds creepy. I don't know why I said that, but you're just looking at people's accounts on Instagram and looking at their lives and it's like, man, their life looks so awesome and you're comparing it to your life. And, and I'm like, I don't even know this person. They live in India and I found their account and, and he knows Bobby and he's married to Susie. And uh, like, but we find ourselves just easily connecting online, but it's sometimes hard to connect face to face. 
it's, it's hard sometimes to, it's easier to DM someone or talk on Snapchat or text someone than it is to introduce yourself in, in the face-to-face -face contact. With all the technology that's available to connect us, how are you doing in your personal connection with people face-to-face? We've got to kind of get used to stepping into the awkward moments of life. We've got to get okay with stepping into some of the awkwardness of getting to know someone. I wonder if, if I would ask you, how many times do you think people uh, pick up their phone every single day? If you can throw it out, yell out in the room where you are, the answer is 344 times a day. That's an average of once every four minutes. That's pretty crazy. Like we go to our phone all the time, we're accessible to so much knowledge and information, but we miss what's happening right in front of us. I'll just ask you to think through, how's your screen time? Would you maybe put your phone away and say, man, I'm going to be present in this moment. I'm not going to just hide behind my phone, but I want to get to know the people around me. I wonder, when's the last time you were bored? Like we, we so easily, whether we're on the, in the car, driving, we're on a plane, we just fill ourselves with mindful activity on a phone, but we miss the connectivity of the people around us. And that's my prayer for us as a community is that we would step into uncomfortability and start to build intentional relationships wherever we are. And that's why I believe the church can thrive in this moment in time that we find ourselves in. So you might feel isolated, but I encourage you to take a step in to the community that's around you. Be a little bit vulnerable. Extend a hand to someone. Look them in the eyes and say, man, my name is Josh. Nice to meet you. It feels silly to say, but we just live in a world that gets caught up in the way in which we're living and miss the people in front of us. So now let's deep dive quickly into the second part of, of this practice of when mistrust and isolation are the norms, we have to forge meaningful and intentional inter intergenerational relationships. So if we want to form meaningful relationships, I want to get around this thought that building meaningful relationships means being devoted to fellow believers we want to be around and become like. When I uh, moved to the States five years ago from Australia, I literally knew two people. Like I, we, we, we knew no one, okay? And we jump, pack our bags, we move to the other side of the world with our suitcases. It's just me and Taylor. And we come to Anderson, South Carolina. We flew into Atlanta. We jump in a car. We keep driving. I'm like, oh, we can live in this place, Atlanta. We just keep driving, driving, driving. And then we get into like the bushes. And then we pull off in this little side area of Anderson, South Carolina. Had no idea where it was on the map. Many people still don't know where it is, but now I love it. This is the promised land. And we love being here, man. But wherever you find yourself, uh, just think about it. You might have moved to a new city. You might have uh, live, been where you are forever. But it takes time to build friendships. It takes time to build high quality, meaningful relationships. Fast forward five years for me now, coming to this country only knowing two people, I look around me and I have amazing community and it just started out by going to a home group where I knew no one. Now those people in that home group are some of my best friends. The guys in that home group, some of us now meet to talk about how we are as husbands and fathers and we have deep, meaningful relationships and conversations. Some of those people in that home group were at my house when I returned back to America a couple years after uh, moving to the States when I had to fly back to Australia suddenly when my mom had passed away. But they were waiting for me in the house that when we returned to the States to say, we're going to journey with you through this, Josh. How are you doing in building meaningful relationships in your world? It takes time. 
because we live in this I individualistic culture that self focus on ourselves and we need to lean into more about being a culture of, of caring about our fellow neighbor, caring about the people around us. And that's why I love the story that we just read of these guys together. They're going through the fire of life quite literally, but they have each other shoulder to shoulder saying, man, we're going to go through this together in a culture of much resistance. We're doing this together. Who are those people that you can lean into in times of need and hardship and challenge? Who who do you need to maybe confess some things to? Who do you need to pull down a mask and say, man, I've really been struggling over this past season. I feel all this pressure at my workplace. Can you just pray for me in this? My my, my marriage is is hurting. My, My relationships are hurting. Can we be a little bit more honest with how we are and assume the best for the people around us? I think it's easy in life to assume the worst. Man, Josh didn't reply to my text message. He hates me. Ah, like that guy's a loser. Well, no, actually I have a two-year-old son at home who's crazy yelling for me, probably jumping off, off the couch. And I'm like, I had to put my phone down and run away and I forgot to reply. Now I need to get better at replying. But the thing is, man, would we just assume the best in relationships? Don't just always assume the worst. Like, man, that person hates me. They don't, they don't think the best of me. I, 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 just, I just need to be by myself. Get people in your world of deep, meaningful relationships and keep being consistent. It takes time to build quality relationships. That's why I'd say get invested in a rally group and be consistent and show up. Invite someone over for some donuts at your house. Like buy some $3 pack and play. Why did I say pack and play? Those frozen little cookies. We do this all the time. It's cheap. It's easy to put on for some friends. Invite people over. Say, man, want to come eat some cookies and hang at my house? Whatever it might look like, what do you need to do today to build some intentional relationships? The other thing that we read in this practice is intergenerational relationships. What, I, what we mean by this is, man, you need to get people in your world who are in a different season of life than you. Get people in your world who have some gray hair. I, I am so grateful to have my grandparents in my world who I call often to ask them for the input. They tell me they're praying for me and for my family. I'm grateful to have mentors in my life who I ask questions of, of older couples who are in their 50s, 60s, of how to be good parents. How do you, can you, I have people in my world that I talk to about my finances and give me advice for what to do with buying a house or help me navigate, what do I, I've, man, having a kid's expensive, like I need help. Get people in your world who you can ask great questions. Would we as a community be known for asking great questions? I think it's easy to have a lot of knowledge on our phones, but learn to ask great questions from people who've maybe made some mistakes in life. Ask some questions of, man, can you tell me uh, how do you have a thriving marriage? How do you uh, run your business? Would Rally be known as people who care deeply for those around you, but also get mentors in your world? I remember as, as a young guy, I didn't have much money. I still don't have all the money in the world, but I, I just have made it a, a practice that, man, if I'm going to meet with someone who's like a mentor figure, someone I, I look up to or inspire, like I'm paying for the bill. I, I'm going to buy them a coffee. I'm going to buy them some lunch and just say, man, I've got some questions. Can I ask you a question? Maybe who do you need to send a text and say, hey, could I, I don't have all the money in the world, but could I buy a coffee? I want to spend some time with you. Who do you need to go over to their house and say, hey, I know you're pretty busy, but I would love to just come and sit on your couch and hang out with you and your family one time. Would we be a community that builds 
intergenerational relationships and have a, have a web of relationships, younger and older, in our world. And that's why I love this story of, of these, these men who had a community around them, even though it felt pretty lonely at times, but a brotherhood that said, hey, culture feels pretty crazy right now, but we're going to be through this shoulder to shoulder in much loneliness where we feel alone and, and struggling. I've got you and, and we're going through the fires of life together. So I want to ask you again, who do you need to reach out to? Who do you need to ask? How are you doing today? This has all been a pretty simple thought, but I hope it's uh, challenged us to have some conversations. I want to leave us with this quote uh, from Bornhofer, a really influential, influential man in the Christian faith. You need to go up and look, look at his life online and just learn about him because he's one of my biggest inspirations. But I love this quote that he says, We don't merely bear one another's burdens. The true burden is bearing one another. Would that be true of us? Not just trying to meet certain needs of people, but saying, man, I care deeply for you. Let's go through life together and let's be a community that says, man, I'm building rich relationships in my life. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for Rally. I thank you for what you're doing in a world of loneliness, in a world of challenge, in a world where it seems a bit confusing. Uh, I pray that you would help us to be a community that loves people really well and says, man, I want to build deep relationships in this world that I find myself in. Give us boldness, I pray, uh, as we do this. And I thank you for for, for this family across the state. In Jesus' name, amen.